welcome to This Week in Video Games episode 80. My name's Tom Kershaw and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. Well this week I've been playing Monster Hunter Stories 2, a new JRPG which combines Monster Hunter and similar mechanics to Pokemon. I've also been getting reacquainted with Metroid through Super Metroid in a classic replay, plus I've been looking ahead to Metroid Dread. We're also halfway through the year, so I've been checking out some of my top games of 2021 so far. It's a jam-packed show, so let's get to it. Welcome to the show, everyone. I hope you're well and you're having a good week. I'm good this week and we're already in July, which means half of 2021 is gone already. Well, time just really, really flies. But with that in mind, I've been looking back at some of my best games of 2021 so far, and I'll be sharing that list with you later on. There's some big hitters in there, plus some lesser-known indie games, so hopefully there's something in there for everyone, and perhaps some ideas if you need something new for your backlog. I'll also be looking ahead this week to Metroid Dread, which I imagine will make my Game of the Year list in 2021. I have been gathering everything we know so far about Metroid Dread, which is due on the 8th of October 2021. We're talking about the 8th of October, Nintendo announced this week their new Nintendo Switch OLED model, which has excited and confused fans in equal measure. So casually dropped onto the internet on Thursday morning, and the main advantage of this appears to be the OLED screen size and not really much else. You know, we were hoping that it would be 4K docked, but it doesn't appear to be any other upgrades here rather than the screen technology and size. We do have a new Ethernet port in the dock and the white colour, but it also comes in the classic red and blue neon colour too. So as soon as the announcement went out and people realised it wasn't the Nintendo Switch Pro that people have been wanting, the Nintendo Switch Pro rumours kicked back into gear and it was almost like a momentary blip where this new information was released and it managed to pass over the masses. The audience shrugged off the very odd OLED naming convention and then went back to speculating when the Nintendo Switch Pro or Super Nintendo Switch would be released. Well, some of the big outlets reported before E3 that a Switch Pro was going to be announced, but Nintendo themselves never really said anything. But since the release of the Switch, we've had one small upgrade via the battery, and this appears to be another small iteration on the very successful console. Nintendo Switch sales are still booming, and wherever Nintendo sells them, well, they are just selling out. But the main benefits, this new Nintendo Switch appears to be in handheld mode only, as when docked, there doesn't appear to be any clear advantages. There's more space with the 64GB hard drive, the bigger screen and the OLED technology, and it is a strange one from Nintendo, but in the handheld space they are known for their smaller iterations. Thoughts that Nintendo may align the Switch Pro with Breath of the Wild 2 seem to go away for a few hours after the OLED version was announced, but they have since come back, and I think as long as the Switch is selling as well as it is, then Nintendo don't really need to release a Switch Pro. It's going to be interesting to see what happens over the coming months, and I did pick one up, and I'll bring you my thoughts on the machine when it arrives in October alongside Metroid Dread. Well, before we get into the show, I wanted to plug the podcast Patreon, and you can send in your questions and your stories for community questions by signing up to Patreon, so for as little as $2 a month, you can sign up to become a patron, where you can access exclusive Discord rooms, send in your questions and your comments to be read out on the This Week in Video Games podcast, and you can access exclusive content and early access to the podcast too. There's plenty of benefits over there at Patreon, plus you get to support the show and help This Week in Video Games become a little bit more self-sufficient. Well, that is it for my waffly intro, but let's have a look at what I've been playing this week. Well, this week I've been playing Monster Hunter Stories 2, Wings of Ruin, 
And that is our new Monster Hunter JRPG from Capcom. So the Monster Hunter universe fits pretty well into the JRPG format and so far I've been really impressed with this game. And I'll be bringing you my first impressions of the game first up in the show. I've also been playing through Super Metroid as part of a new series called Classic Replay. So given that we've got Metroid Dread coming out soon, I thought it would be the perfect time to get back into 2D Metroid. So before Dread comes out, I hope to play the other games like Metroid, Metroid 2 and Metroid Fusion. But today I'm going to kick things off with Super Metroid. But first up in the show today, let's check out what I think of Monster Hunter Stories 2, Wings of Ruin. Well, 2021 has been a big year for the Monster Hunter franchise. First of all, we had Monster Hunter Rise on Nintendo Switch in March, arguably one of the best Monster Hunter mainline entries we've had. And now we're about to get a sequel to Stories titled Monster Hunter Stories 2, Wings of Ruin, and this is much more of a turn-based RPG, but the characters and the formula for Monster Hunter work really, really well. There's a demo available on Nintendo Switch you can try it out before you decide to buy it, and today I'm going to go through my first impressions of Monster Hunter Stories 2. So mainline Monster Hunter games are all about battling, crafting, and leveling up in an action setting, whereas the Monster Hunter Stories series is much more like the JRPG model of games. You still collect monsters, level up, and you can ride around on your monstie, but more on that later on. But this is less about the action-adventure style and leans more into the turn-based combat approach. So if you're into anime and you enjoy Monster Hunter, then you can't really go wrong with Monster Hunter Stories 2. I did play a little bit of Monster Hunter World, but recently really got into Monster Hunter Rise, and it's going to be tough to beat as my game of the year in 2021. Monster Hunter Stories 2 looks like another strong entry in the Monster Hunter series of games. You don't really need to know much about the story going in, and they give you a good explanation of what's going on at the start to ease you into things. But if you do have a little bit of Monster Hunter knowledge, then it's not going to hurt at all, but the game does a great job of explaining what's going on, the why and the actions that you have to take. As far as the story goes, you start out as a little boy or a little girl, which you can customise a bit and you're part of a tribe on an island who has to make friends with some monsters whom they affectionately call monsties. However, some things are going wrong when the normally tame creatures start acting all aggressive, so Rathalos are disappearing, which is implied is not a good sign at all, and a Wyverian girl is given a Rathalos egg by your late grandfather's monster. As per other turn-based RPG games, you set off an adventure of self-discovery with an egg in your possession and your aim is to hatch it and prove your worth. Well, at the core of the game are turn-based battles and the Monster Hunter Stories 2, well, it does a really, really good job here. So teams take on teams as you battle in a kind of rock-paper-scissors format with speed, technical and power attacks. And there's also different weapons too, plus different attack types including blunt, slash and pierce, which lean into the many different weapons of the mainline series without overwhelming the player. So the tutorial does a great job of explaining things and I never really felt lost or confused in battles. You can even team up with your monster for a double team attack, which has pretty spectacular results. As well as the different attack types here, there's different weapons too, including hammers, swords and other signature monster hunter weapons, including the OP Hunting Horn, which quickly became one of my favourite weapons this year in Rise. There's plenty of tactics to consider with the weapons, for example, a hammer can be pretty handy when encountering a Kulu Yaku and their defensive rock, plus avoiding the poison attack with the Hunting Horn from a Puki Puki. And the battle system is deep, which includes items, for example the kinship gauge, breakable monster parts and also more things too. And it's a very satisfying JRPG wrapped up in a Monster Hunter dressing. 
Well, there's plenty to learn when it comes to the battle system, although it isn't to distract away from the main mechanic in the game, which is finding monster dens, collecting eggs, and then hatching them. So eggs can contain different species of monsters, plus there's also the factors of genes, what they are and how many they've got. So genes relate to the different attributes of the monsters, allowing you to create unique beasts, and the more the eggs smell, the rarer the genes and the heavier the egg, the more gene slots it has. Well, there's plenty of detail to get lost in with the battle system alone, but when complemented with the egg and hatching monster system, it all comes together to form a really well put together game. My first impressions are really, really strong from what I played in the demo. The main drawback for me with the demo was the performance on Nintendo Switch. The frame rate didn't seem to perform very well at all, and the game felt a little clunky when running around in the exploration mode. The battling and the cutscenes were great, left a really, really good impression on me. However, the exploration kind of really put me off. Your character is hard to control and the frame rate was just really, really slow. And I haven't checked out the game on PC, but I have heard really good things about the PC performance. However, there are some crossover bonuses if you play on the same account with Monster Hunter Rise installed. And I didn't want to lose out on those. It's a shame because everything else about the game is top notch, but the performance just really let it down on Nintendo Switch. But the good thing about the demo is your progress carries over to the main game, so if you do decide to buy it, and that is available for free on Nintendo Switch, on the eShop, and I think it's also available on Steam too, and I would recommend trying it out before you buy, and if you're anyway a fan of Monster Hunter and you like JRPGs, then this really is your dream game, and an improvement on the first instalment. I would recommend checking out the performance before you buy, and maybe going for the PC version if the performance is going to bug you. So the game was developed and published by Capcom. It was released on PC and Nintendo Switch and originally came out on the 9th of July 2021. Well that is it for my first impressions of Monster Hunter Stories 2, but if you're enjoying This Week in Video Games content, check out Patreon at patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games for benefits like joining in community discussions on podcasts, early access and exclusive content, content voting and also YouTube and podcast shoutouts. There's also a merch store which includes t-shirts, hoodies and all kinds of This Week in Video Games stuff. So watching the videos and interacting down there in the comments is more than enough. But if you want to support This Week in Video Games further, you can through Patreon and Spring. Check out the links down below for more information. Well that is it for my Patreon plug, but next up let's have a look at the best games of 2021 so far. We're about halfway through the year at the moment, so it's a good time to check in and see what some of the top games of 2021 are. So 2020 was a big year for games, given the new consoles, plus games like The Last of Us 2, Ghost of Tsushima and Hades. Well today I'm going to go through my top 10 games of 2021 so far. I'm going to go through the list in terms of how I rate the game, so worst to best. And I think we've got plenty more great games coming out this year, so I'm sure this list is going to evolve as we go towards the end of 2021. But this is a good sense check of where we are right now. There's most likely some games in here you've heard of, but maybe one or two that you haven't, so hopefully there's some good ideas for some new games to pick up. Well first of all we've got Loop Hero, so Loop Hero does what it says on the tin. You are a hero who travels in a constant loop, battling and building up your stats as you go. So rather than the traditional method of controlling a hero in the game, you look down on the loop from above and place tiles and select weapons and items for the hero, which helps generate materials and other benefits too. So loop hero is really going to make you wonder where the time has gone. Even though your hero is trudging around in a loop over and over, there's something about this game both satisfying and addicting. So you can check it out on PC now. 
Next up, we've got Cyber Shadow. So Cyber Shadow is an action platformer which harks back to the days of 8-bit games in both graphical style, but also in its difficulty too. And it takes inspiration from the classic 2D side-scrolling action, tricky platformers with precise controls. So the gameplay in Cyber Shadow is inspired by Ninja Gaiden, and it's your job to navigate the world armed with only a sword to begin with, use jumps, dodges, and attacks to remove the enemies from your path. Well, the controls are pretty simple, and you can attack and jump, and that is pretty much it, until you open up a series of power-ups later on in the game. Cyber Shadow eases you in nice and gentle on the first level, but then the difficulty really ramps up as you get past that first stage. Enemies are going to attack from the air, the ground, and throw projectiles, so you're going to have to have your wits about you at all times. So this one is available on a variety of platforms, but I got it on Xbox Game Pass. Well, next up, we've got Narita Boy. So Narita Boy is an action Metroidvania with a mix of platforming set in a techno-futuristic world that's gorgeous to the eyes and also the ears too. It's got a retro feel, but scratched below the surface, and this is very much a modern game. Narita Boy is heavily inspired by the 80s in terms of visual design and music. The world is bright and vibrant and the soundtrack is heavy on the synth. And at first glance it looks like a retro game but it's more retro inspired with modern day mechanics. And there's a constant CRT filter over the screen that just adds to the theme. It's difficult to go into too much detail in the game but it's worth downloading and checking it out and it has all the right attributes to be a hit. And it's available on Xbox Game Pass so if you're a subscriber then you already own the game. So Metroidvanias have been everywhere over the past few years. Some are great and some are definitely worth a miss. However, I'd say Narita Boy is really, really worth experiencing. The graphics, the music all work really well together and the storytelling is top notch. You know, it may be vague at times, but everything from the pixel inspired cutscenes to the immense amount of NPC dialogue and the world building makes this one worth exploring and spending a lot of time in. Well, next up, we've got Before Your Eyes. So Before Your Eyes is a narrative adventure with a difference. So instead of controlling using a mouse or a controller, you blink to control the game. And the mechanic is more than just a novelty in a powerful narrative game that will take you on a roller coaster of emotions. And it's taking a strong claim to be one of the best games of 2021 so far. Just don't blink or you're definitely going to miss it. So much of the game is a lean back style and watch the narrative play out. However, when you blink, time will jump forward. So maybe it's going to be a day or a week or even years forward and the game does require a webcam to be set up to register the blinks, but it's easy to do and works surprisingly well. So if playing with a webcam sounds like it's not for you, there's also good news because it can be played with a traditional input like a mouse or a keyboard. So Before Your Eyes is a really well put together game that innovates in both the controls and tells a very touching personal story throughout the narrative. And it mixes in little puzzles and decisions. And while they don't affect the direction of the narrative too much, they do complement the gameplay really, really well. It's not too long and it's a very memorable experience and a unique little gem that's definitely worth checking out. Well, next up, we've got Valheim. So Valheim is one of the latest indie hits to blow up on Steam following the likes of Fall Guys and Among Us that went viral in 2020. So Valheim is a survival game currently in early access that came out at the start of February 2021 and has taken the world by storm. So activities range from building a camp, hunting, fighting wild boar and also world bosses too. And there's something really approachable about Valheim and players are flocking to it in droves. So Valheim can be played with up to nine other friends on a server. It's probably best enjoyed with between two and five other people. And when the game first starts, you start with pretty much nothing, and you start off simple by cutting down trees and punching poor little animals to death to turn them into tasty dinners later on. 
And Valheim came out of the blue for me and had a really, really strong start. And the world you inhabit is a beautiful one. And the adventures that Valheim throw at you, they're really fun, they're unique and really immersive too. So the game is definitely better with friends but offers you a nice chilled experience if you want to fly solo. So visually, it's got its own style which harks back to the MMO days have gone by, and Valheim's mechanics may be a collection of simple activities, but they've been put together really well and they just simply work, and it all adds up to a really satisfying experience. You can check it out in early access on Steam now. Well, next up we've got Outriders. So Outriders is one of the newest looter shooters on the market from People Can Fly. So I was sceptical about Outriders at first and mildly hyped for the full release. I'm a massive fan of looter shooters, having put hundreds of hours into Destiny, Destiny 2, and tens of hours into The Division and Avengers as well. And the thing that really drew me to Outriders was the build potential, as this is something I really enjoy with Destiny. Looking at the combination of classes, weapons and armour and mods that go well together to create a fun and engaging gameplay styles. And on first impressions, and on first impressions, Outriders has all the right ingredients. So Outriders had a pretty good start and it's probably not going to win any Game of the Year awards. And in terms of popularity, it had one of the best launches the genre has seen for some time. You know, Anthem died, the Division 2 fizzled away, and the Avengers is really, really struggling. There's plenty of promise in Outriders, I'm really looking forward to getting into the game a little bit more, and hopefully with multiple legendaries in my hands. Well next up we've got Returnal. So Returnal is a PlayStation 5 exclusive from Housemark. It's a punishing, interesting game filled with euphoric highs, jump scares, and also dramatic low points too. It's one of the best demonstrations of the PS5 to date, in particular with fantastic audio design that is rarely experienced anywhere else. You know, this game is probably going to divide crowds, but it's simply one that you have to try. There's a decent mix of genres in Returnal, so one minute you're going to be exploring, platforming, and the next minute you're going to be in a bullet hell style battle with an enemy tentacle thrashing and threatening you instant death. And there is an infinite loop of the roguelike genre, which many will be familiar with since Hades broke through in 2020, and Returnal has layers, and you have to dig pretty deep and work hard with your skill and time to find out everything that this game has to offer. So Returnal is definitely an endurance test of a video game, so in the early hours you're in discovery mode, learning about the planet and the monsters and the attack patterns, and you're just going to be staring at wonder at most things in the game. As time goes by the game becomes more and more punishing, and it's going to take a particular type of player to want to jump back in time and time again. But if you do like this style of game, or if any of the above sounds like it's for you, then I definitely recommend Returnal. It's truly a next generation game, and shows off the wide array that the PS5 can do. Now, I really like that Sony is investing in this type of game. It's tough, it's different, and it's going to make you laugh with delight and cry with loss. Now, I don't know if I'm the type of player to want to jump back in time and time again with Returnal, but I am impressed with what Housemarque has produced, and if you have access to a PlayStation 5, then it's definitely worth checking out. Well, next up we've got Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, and Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart is the latest game from Insomniac, creators of Marvel's Spider-Man, the PlayStation exclusive, and this one is another iteration on the fast-paced action and adventure games Insomniac have been producing in recent years. So whether you're new to the Ratchet & Clank series or a seasoned veteran, this one is bound to bring a smile to your face through its thoroughly enjoyable gameplay. You know, Rift Apart is simply a stunning game, there's no question about it, and since the game was revealed in the summer of 2020, it's demonstrated the power of the PlayStation 5 very well, feeling like you're playing a Pixar movie, and this is a demo of what video games could be, and it lives up to the promise of what next generation consoles deliver. So Spider-Man, Miles Morales look great, but this is a whole different kettle of fish, and specifically made for the PlayStation 5. 
So one of the things I really appreciated about the game, it's not too long, coming in at roughly 12 hours or so for a regular playthrough, and about 15 hours if you want to find all the secrets. Not all games have to be 60 hours, and I feel this really respects my time. Now, I'm not saying I don't want more, because the gameplay is so fluid and fun. However, in my life at the moment, this is the perfect size game for me. Now, I've been given enough, and I'm left wanting more, and it doesn't overstay its welcome. It doesn't feel padded out or repetitive, and it's the Goldilocks of games, and it gets it just about right. So Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart looks like it could have come from the future to demonstrate the current gen consoles and what they could do in a few years time and it's great to see games embracing the capabilities of the new consoles and showing them off. This is a game that struts with confidence and checking out the videos and streams doesn't really do the visuals justice. It's not just a good looking game, the story is well formed and flows with ease and the fluidity of the movement and action is hands down some of the best you're going to play in the sheen of quality shines through with every level and encounter. So if you've got a PS5, this is simply a must-buy title. Well, next up, we've got Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury. So the final entry in the Super Mario 35th anniversary celebration is Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury. So Super Mario 3D World is the latest game to be ported to Nintendo Switch from the Wii U, given its original release back in 2013. And Bowser's Fury is a brand new short title accompanying Super Mario 3D World, and these two games offer different sides of the Mario series style. So many people, myself included, missed out on this Super Mario 3D world when it first came out nearly eight years ago. And the title was given a new lease of life and a massive audience with Nintendo Switch owners and it's already shot to the third best-selling Mario title on Nintendo Switch ahead of Super Mario Maker 2 and new Super Mario Bros. Deluxe and behind Super Mario Odyssey and Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Well, the gameplay is really, really fun, and there's lots of connections here. So with Bowser's Fury, the gameplay is really fun. There's lots of connections here to Super Mario 3D World from a stylistic point of view, and also some of the gameplay elements. And this feels much more like Super Mario Odyssey, albeit without the use of Cappy. So Plessy makes a return from 3D World to help you swim and complete some tasks. And Bowser interrupting can be a little bit annoying at times, especially if you're high up and you may get knocked all the way down to the lower levels. But it's a small thing when compared to the overall fun you're going to have with Bowser's Fury. So Super Mario 3D World alone was enough to convince me to get this package, given I'd missed it the first time around, and I highly recommend this game if you haven't played it, but also recommend playing it co-op. For me, it was great to play through with the misses. You know, we tried other co-op games before, but it never felt quite as good as this one. Bowser's Fury is a short but sweet outing for Mario, and it kind of feels like it was something created in a short space of time in lockdown by Nintendo and given to the audience as an incentive to buy 3D World again. Now, I'm really not against Nintendo experimenting with these shorter titles like this, and there's some really nice innovative gameplay moments in here. And this one could be a look into the future of Mario with this open world style. Well next up we've got my top game of 2021 so far, and it's Monster Hunter Rise. So Monster Hunter Rise is the newest mainline Monster Hunter game, and it's the first dedicated to Nintendo Switch from the ground up. So this is the total package, offering a smooth onboarding for new players, depth and also complexity, plus potentially hundreds of hours of gameplay. There's a certain speed and fluidity to Monster Hunter Rise that I haven't encountered before, so running into battle at full speed on the back of your Palamute canine buddy, jumping in at the right time and swinging your sword, axe or hammer right into the huge monster's face. You land it and then pull off a seamless combo to finish the hunt. So Monster Hunter Rise is one of the latest additions to Monster Hunter Family and exploded in popularity since the release of Monster Hunter World back in 2018. And Monster Hunter fans would protest, saying this was hugely popular before World and Iceborne were even thought of, but Monster Hunter World took it to new levels in the West. 
Monster Hunter Rise does a great job as a follow-up, and now has the added bonus of being able to play it on the go, on the sofa, or in bed with Nintendo Switch. Now, I've still got loads more to discover in Monster Hunter Rise, but I do find myself thinking about it when I'm not in the world. I'm looking at weapon guides while I'm taking my daily walks, I'm actively seeking weapon tutorials to understand new combos, and how to unleash more powerful attacks. So it's always a great sign if a game gets inside your head, and you're thinking about strategies when you're away from the screen. And the simple fact that now I can take Monster Hunter with me on my travels is absolutely fantastic. You know, I've really enjoyed my time with Monster Hunter Rise, I'd recommend it to anyone who has a Nintendo Switch. It's got the potential to be one of the best and the biggest Nintendo Switch games out there. The learning curve may be steep, but the rewards are huge if you can push through those small roadblocks. The game is charming, it's going to make you laugh at times. There's the pain of defeat and also the triumph of a successful hunt. You know, it's really got the whole package. You can get by by scratching the surface of a Monster Hunter game, but it's only going to get you so far. These games are designed with hundreds of hours of play in mind, and I'm finally starting to understand why there's such a fervorous fanbase of the series. I only wish I discovered this title earlier. So plenty of great games in there for 2021 so far. There's some big hitters like Monster Hunter Rise, Ratchet and Clank, but there's also some indie titles too like Loop Hero, Valheim and Before Your Eyes, plus some remakes too with Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury. So there are some games in here that I've missed including It Takes Two, Resident Evil Village, Hitman 3 and plenty more, but maybe I'll get around to checking out those later on in the year. In particular, It Takes Two looks very good, plus an excellent co-op experience. Well, that is it for my best game of 2021 so far, but next up, let's have a look at the all-platform charts. Well, at 10 this week, we've got The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild up 15 places from last week's 25. At 9 this week, it's Resident Evil Village up 6 places from last week's number 15. At 8 this week, up 2 places, it's Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury. And at 7 this week, it's Grand Theft Auto 5, up 6 places from last week's number 13. At 6 this week, it's Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, down 3 places from last week's number 3. And at 5 this week, it's Minecraft, up 2 places from last week's number 7. At 4 this week, it's Animal Crossing New Horizons, up 1 place from last week's number 5. And at 3 this week, it's the ever-present Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, up 1 place from last week's number 4. At 2 this week, it's holding steady, it's FIFA 21. And at number 1 this week, still at number 1, it's Mario Golf Super Rush. And congrats to the team at Nintendo for another successful Mario Golf adventure. Well, that is it for the charts this week, and talking of Nintendo, next up, let's have a look forward to Metroid Dread. One of the biggest surprises of E3 2021 was the announcement of a new 2D Metroid game called Metroid Dread. So this was introduced as Metroid 5, following on from Metroid Fusion, and the first new 2D Metroid game in nearly 20 years. Well today I'm going to check out everything we know about Metroid Dread, plus a look ahead to its release on October the 8th, 2021. Well there's plenty of history surrounding the Metroid Dread name. First reported back by IGN in 2005, there were rumours of the game's existence. However, it had a troubled development, and getting the project off the ground and out of concept proved difficult, causing the project to be cancelled or reworked a couple of times. But Metroid Dread is being developed by Mercury Steam, the same studio that made Samus Returns, and the project is being overseen by Yoshio Sakamoto, and Sakamoto has a history with the Metroid series. He served as the director for Super Metroid, Metroid Fusion, and the Zero Mission 2. So Sakamoto recently said of his role on the project, 
My role on Metroid Dread was similar to or the same as it was on Samus Returns when Nintendo of Japan and Mercury Steam worked together to be one team. They're different companies, of course, but we had one mind. Also, the same as Samus Returns, I was always in communication with Mercury Steam from a day-to-day basis, looking at the good and the bad and what they were producing for designs. I guess I was called the producer, I was more involved on the creative side of things as well. So Nintendo showed off a lot of Metroid Dread at the Treehouse Live event after their E3 2021 presentation. So this new iteration of Metroid looks like it's in safe hands when it comes to the development team and Sakamoto working as the producer. It looks like classic Metroid, which fans have been wanting for years. Dread takes place straight after the events of Metroid Fusion, so Samus is investigating a transmission sent to the Galactic Federation. So once she arrives on the planet, she discovers the planet has been overrun with alien life. So as well as your standard space pirate type aliens, there's also the Emmys too. So these are almost invincible robots that patrol and prowl, chasing Samus as she makes her way through the areas, providing the dread as the title indicates. So Samus's weapons, they're no match for the Emmys at the start, so the only option is to run or hide. So this is Metroid brought up to the modern standards, and Samus is fast and fluid. Metroidvanias have been popular since 2017, with great games like Dead Cells and Ori, in which the movement and the attacks, they're fluid and they feel great. And this is the combination that has propelled some smaller studios to great success. For example, the combat in Dead Cells has a certain distinctive feel, and here, Metroid and Nintendo look to have upped their game by bringing Samus up to 2021 standards. So Samus looks fast, plus she's got some new moves to show off, and she's going to need all those moves and tricks up her sleeve because the Emmy robots aren't playing around. Metroid Dread keeps many of the useful features from Samus Returns, so there's the free aim mechanic and the melee ability, which is extra devastating if timed correctly. So this is one of the only ways that Samus can currently evade the Emmys. If she can time a melee attack right, there's a short window where she can escape, and although I understand there's a cannon power-up later on in the game that allows us to destroy the Emmys, this makes sense as we're going to have to work to get that kind of power. So the sense of dread or fear has been integral to the gameplay mechanic from day one, as Sakamoto described in an interview with Game Informer. And Game Informer, by the way, have loads of fantastic coverage on Metroid Dread. I would recommend going over there and checking out everything they've got to offer. So the dread mechanic is similar to the mechanic of a chasing invincible big bad found in Resident Evil games. So Mr. X or the recent Lady D are really good examples. And Sakamoto said this of the mechanic. So it's really about Samus encountering fear, but she actually stands against the fear, fights it and beats it. And that part is really important. So as far as where the inspiration came from, from my wanting to take the game in this direction, it comes from the tension surrounding the SAX gameplay from Metroid Fusion and also how we wanted to take the style of gameplay and put it into what was considered to be the normal Metroid gameplay to make an exciting experience. Metroid Dread does flip another convention on its head with the new game, so normally Samus will start on the surface of a planet and then venture down underground through a maze-like environment. This time, Samus starts in the middle of a maze and you have to find your way out to a ship. Other standard features of the genre are maintained where you have to find power-ups to upgrade your gear. You also have to find new equipment that's going to help you get to areas you can reach before and there's also going to be plenty of secrets for you to find and uncover too. The story and the lore is going to be really important to the game, and this is going to be presented in a few different ways, with the team learning from their experience in past games. 
Now, I understand there's going to be a story catch-up mechanic for Metroid Dread or the fifth mainline Metroid game, and Sakamoto also described the storytelling mechanics in the game too, and he went on to say, With Samus Returns, we made use of cutscenes as well, and there were 3D cutscenes and 2D scenes as well that transitioned very seamlessly between the two. That helped us with showing expressiveness in the game, and we found that really effective in Samus Returns. In a similar way in Metroid Dread, we're going to use those to maintain a sense of tension and also expressiveness. Also, the story is very important in the game, so these cutscenes are going to be used to express the story as well. Well, the concept of Metroid Dread has been around for some time, but Sakamoto explained it was hard to realise his vision on the earlier hardware. You know, at the time we came up with the idea the hardware really wasn't there, and the technological concepts weren't working with our vision, Sakamoto said. We had to put it on hold and then sometime later we started again, but then we stopped for pretty much the same reasons. But thinking in terms of the specs that I had in mind, it was a bit difficult to realise that concept with that hardware, Sakamoto said. But Metroid Dread happens to be the first title released on the same day as the new model Nintendo Switch, which features a larger OLED screen. So, it's a really, really exciting time for Metroid fans, and if you've got access to Nintendo Switch Online, you can go back and play the original Metroid via the NES Online, and also Super Metroid via the SNES Online Collection too. You can, of course, watch playthroughs, but there's nothing like experiencing the game for yourself. Personally, I'm not a fan of the Metroid Prime games, which did seem to pivot the series more towards a first-person 3D shooter. Metroid Prime 4 is still in development, which Nintendo reiterated during the Nintendo Director E3, and Metroid Dread looks to be returning to the series' roots, so I'm really hoping Nintendo is going to flex their design skills and really blow the Metroidvania competition out the water. We've had plenty of great Metroidvania games in the last few years, but I'm looking to Nintendo to really lay down that marker, and hopefully this will lead to more Metroid games either being remade or re-released on Nintendo Switch, so fans can easily play through that back catalogue and enjoy the story and gameplay that Metroid has to offer. So in case you can't tell, I'm really, really looking forward to Metroid Dread, and Metroid Dread releases on Nintendo Switch on the 8th of October 2021. Well, that is it for my look ahead to Metroid Dread. It's going to be really fantastic. It was one of the most hype moments during the Nintendo Director E3 2021. Well, that is me looking forward to Metroid Dread, but now it's time to look back. So I've gone back to one of the best games in the series past, and it's time to take a look at Super Metroid in my classic replay. Well, Super Metroid is arguably the pinnacle of the Metroid series. It's one of the most accessible two on modern day consoles, given you can play it on the SNES through Nintendo Switch Online. This is, this is simply one of the best 16-bit era games with great graphics, gameplay and also music too. So Metroid has developed a name for itself on the NES. This was Nintendo turning their hand to sci-fi, created characters and worlds with atmosphere, unlike the other Nintendo mascots at the time. They included Mario and Donkey Kong Metroid, well, it was different. You know, it was darker, the gameplay prompted exploration, plus there was plenty of secrets to uncover. Metroid 2, The Return of Samus, was released on the Game Boy, and it followed in the footsteps of the original game. However, this time there was new equipment and new gameplay, as well as trying to exterminate the Metroids. And Metroid 2 was much more linear, where the original focused more on exploration. The Super Metroid is where the series really took off for Nintendo and laid the groundwork for the franchise, which up until recently has been mildly neglected and also given the reboot treatment along the way. So Super Metroid was originally released in 1994 as directly after the events of Metroid 2. 
Samus is on her way to a research centre with a baby Metroid that followed her following the events on the planet SR388. Ridley, Samus's arch-rival, appears out of nowhere, steals away the baby Metroid, and then the space station around Samus starts to disintegrate, leading to Samus racing for her escape. Samus finds her way back to Zibis, but things have changed since the first game. In the objectives are familiar, collect the upgrades, find the hidden secrets, and defeat everything that gets in your way. And some familiar bosses and so some familiar bosses are back from Metroid, including Mother Brain, Ridley, and, and Kraid. Although there are some familiar concepts from the older Metroid games, there's plenty of new features in here too. So Samus has new abilities, including the Grapple Beam, which allows Samus to swing about the place and reach new areas that she couldn't before. And there's also the Screw Attack too. As well as the new moves and upgrades, we've also got some good new locations and atmosphere in the game. So we've got Criteria, which is on the surface, we've got Brinstar, this is now full of overgrown plants and calls back to the original Metroid. We've got Norfair, this is covered in lava, and Meridia, this is underwater, and we've got the Wreck Ship 2, which is a crash ship, and finally there's the Turian, Mother Brain's new home. So one of the features that sets Super Metroid apart from the rest of the time, and why it remains to be well played today, is the gameplay and control. So Samus moves with ease, she can run, and also the addition of diagonal shooting really, really helps. It's a small tweak from the original game, but it makes a massive difference. Upgrades are really easy to access with the different button combinations, and the game isn't too easy, but it's also not too difficult too, which plagues similar games of the same era. The graphics, they're classic pixel art, the environments are really well designed, as well as the bosses and Samus herself. Yeah, there's a few cutscenes that bring the story to life, as well as the music and the audio. And the music changes pace with the game as the settings change. And early, you're looking for signs of life. And the music really helps ramp up their tension. And then later on, the game gets a little bit more action-packed. And all the way through, it's a great soundtrack offering us some of the best video game music of the mid-90s era. So Super Metroid is one of the best Super Nintendo games released. And arguably, one of the best games of all time. These days, we've got a whole genre dedicated to the groundwork that this game put in and other games in the Metroid series. They paved the way for the Metroidvania genre with modern titles like Ori, Hollow Knight and also Axiom Verge, which are some other modern examples that look to emulate what Super Metroid achieved in the past. So the game was developed by Nintendo, published by Nintendo 2. It's available on the Super Nintendo, also via Nintendo Switch Online, and it was released on the 19th of March, 1994. Well, that's it for my look at Super Metroid in the classic replay, but next up, let's have a look at what we've got coming out in the next few weeks. So on July the 13th, we've got a few games. We've got Curve Space coming out on Nintendo Switch, and we've got Where the Heart Leads, and that's coming out on PS5 and PS4. Then on the 15th of July, we've got Lost at Sea, that's on PS5, Xbox Series consoles and PC. Then on the 16th, we've got F1 2021. That's on the PS5, Xbox Series consoles, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Then we've got Observer System Redux on the PS4 and Xbox One. We've got Space Jam, a new legacy, on the Xbox Series consoles and Xbox One. We've also got The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD. That one's coming out on Nintendo Switch. Then on July the 20th, we've got Akiba's Trip, Hellbound and Debriefed. That's coming out on PS4, Switch, and PC. And we've got Chris Tales on the PS5, Xbox Series consoles, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, Stadia, and PC. We've got Death's Door coming on the Xbox Series consoles, Xbox One, and PC. And we've got Monster Harvest, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Then on the 22nd, we've got Last Stop, 
PS5, Xbox Series consoles, PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC, and finally on the 23rd, Orcs Must Die, Xbox Series consoles, PS4, Xbox One and PC. Well that is it for this week's episode and if you want to get involved in the show, get in contact through patreon.com forward slash this week in video games or check out the latest on the website. Send in your questions, your comments, your video game stories, we're always interested in hearing from you. Well thank you so much for watching or listening and for more This Week in Video Games content like this, like, subscribe on YouTube and share with a friend. To join our community check out the Discord link in the description and you can follow me on Twitter at TWIVG Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it useful, liking and sharing it would really help me out. Otherwise, check out the other podcasts in the feed. Thanks again. I'll see you soon.